This is the Bud Light Morning Rush Podcast, brought to you by the all-new Natural Light Natterdays. With a refreshing strawberry lemonade twist, it's Natterdays. They're going to run and get that boot. The Arkansas Razorbacks have completed the dream season. A baseball team that's on the way back. A college world series title. Stadium. I almost got fired because I went Willie the boss after I had a little too much sauce. This is the Bud Light Morning Rush Podcast. Lisa from Northeast Arkansas calling in, one of our favorite callers. Good morning, Lisa. Well, good morning. I've got to shift the pattern just a little bit this morning. Okay. Um, anything, I, 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 every year I have high expectations and I respect other people's opinions. But anything less than, say, seven wins this year, I will be totally disappointed. Oh, wow. And over here in Paragould, July 16th, Hunter Yurchek, they're going to have a road show, and they're going to start it in Paragould. So mm. I'm going to that, and that, that's one of the main things I want to talk to him about. I don't know why. I, I think a lot, of, a lot of us are snake bit, and we're afraid to uh, actually reach out and say we're going to have, I think we're going to have a good year. But I'm I'm not snake bit, and I've been through all this mess. I'm a lot older than y'all. <laughs> now, and hang I, on. I remember Jack Crow. Hang on a minute. <laughs> I, I was hey, there for I, the Jack I Crow I remember, Frank Burl, I remember <laughs> Frank Burl's walking through mm. people. <laughs> Uh, but everybody, and I know Bielema, the worst hire in Arkansas history, in my opinion, was Bubble Butt and Jeff Long. Okay, we've got that out of the way. That's in the past. All that stuff is in the past. We can't do anything about it. And and I just think if we don't make a bowl, I mean, I, I like Chad Morris. The only thing I've got against Chad Morris and I told him this at a Razorback meeting, straight to his face. When he was forced down in inches and didn't go for it, that wrecked the season, in my opinion. You're talking That's about my at, opinion. At, at Colorado State last year? Yes. Yeah. And I told him, I said, in my opinion, that wrecked your whole season. And I said, um, you know, it's going to take a while to get the Razorback fans back on board because of that one call now that's my opinion what did he what did he say when you told him that okay he looked right at me and he said ma'am i agree with you i said it's going to take us a while to trust you trust your calls trust your judgment because i said when you i said i couldn't believe it and the announcers of the game couldn't believe it either when he did go for it and it just seemed like the rest of the year went downhill because of that one call. Now, that, that that's what I think. Mm-hmm. But I, I expect to win all four of the non-conference games. I expect to go down and beat Ole Miss. I expect to beat Kentucky. I expect to beat probably uh, Mississippi State. And I don't expect anybody beating us 52 to nothing. If they do, then we've got a problem. Remember, I, I, don't want any, I don't want any more of these games that are 49 to 7 or 52 to nothing or 59 to nothing or 35 to nothing. That, to me, that is unacceptable. We've had 
a good year recruiting we should be in every game. We may lose some games, but we should be in them. Remember the good but old days, Lisa. Remember the good old days. You could get the schedule, circle the non-conference games in the old, in the Mississippi schools, and you knew those were oh, wins. Yeah. And then you figured out the rest of it. Now it's oh, it, it was know. easy. You now knew you, you were going to beat yeah. Ole Miss and Mississippi State. Yeah, I mean those were the good old days when everybody was well, bitching about Houston Nut. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, there wasn't nobody at first. Then I'll get off here. There wasn't anybody at first that loved Houston Nutty more than me. And then as a bad marriage will go towards the end of it, there was nobody on this earth that couldn't stand him any more than me. Mm-hmm. I just was ready to choke him. Yes. I mean, literally choke his, ugh. But, choke um, his what? Well, his chicken. Ah. And, uh, but anyway, what got me, and I'll, I'll leave it with this, and I'm happy with Chad Morse. Um. Uh, I was aggravated when Jeff Long didn't hire Gus Malzahn when he had the chance. Yes, I said that. Yes, I said that. But now, now I'm sort of glad we didn't go that direction. Sort of glad we didn't. And I'm happy with Chad Morris. But next time it's fourth and inches and you're playing a non-Power 5 school, by golly, you better go for it. Well, and with that, I'll let y'all go. Well, appreciate Have the phone call as always, Lisa. Appreciate the fire and passion. Wow, anything less than eight wins? Yeah, that's now you talk about bold predictions. Yep. That's, that's a bold, what that's what we're talking about. That's, right that's there. another bold prediction. Yeah. Let's go from Lisa to Michael. Yeah, who talk is about a bold predictor. Stut- here's a bold card. Here you another go. Bold predictor for you, guys. I got to tell you, I think somebody uh, beat her to a Houston chicken up in the Fayetteville media. I don't think they're there anymore, though. Whoa. I let her know that. Yeah. <laughs> Because I, I didn't think she was going to chicken. I couldn't believe it, but I couldn't help myself. Guys, <laughs> what you have to understand, these, these fans call in with these unrealistic expectations. They want more, and that's what sports is about. I guess they put more on their sports team, whoever that is, in their own personal life. you got to look at who you're competing against. And, you know, last year was a total recreation project. It was a total rebuild. You have to understand that. I know you guys do, and most people will. But if you look at the recruits he's bringing in, if you look at the structure, when the man walks in the room, and I said a couple weeks ago on your show, you know, this man's a born winner, and it's kind of a general thing, but he has a jeweler's eye. He commands respect. Look where he came from. Everything in his life is step-by-step. This guy's just a winner. And when I say that, I know people get a little laugh or whatever, but he's going to outlast you, and he's going to beat you. He's going to outthink you. He's going to do what 99% of the people in life won't do, and that's why he's where he's at. And if you don't think the guy's special – Urban Meyer wanted to hire him, tried to hire him offensive coordinator. You heard what Dabo Sweeney said. I mean, they were going to make him the highest offensive coordinator in the country. Arkansas lucked into the guy. He's so much a better coach than Gus Malzahn. And people said, well, Malzahn showed him that. He was losing in Texas, and Gus Malzahn showed him. Yeah, he showed him all right, and then he expanded on it. And he's a, a people person, and you know what Gus is. So the guy cannot miss. I'll tell you this, guys. I know this for a fact. I'm not hoping or wishing or guessing. I know it for a fact. I wish I could. And there's ways I can bet money on it. I wish I could get money down on the guy's future right now because it's such a big future, but we're lucky to have him. We be in Arkansas. Uh, he won't be here forever, and when he and I think he will stay here a while, and he's going to do better than, than most have done. I think anybody, obviously, in, in modern football here since Frank Broles. But you're going to yeah. miss the guy when he's gone. And let me tell you something else. The guy's got a long memory. So these hillbillies and rednecks calling in saying it's not good enough to get drilled 40 to nothing, he's going to remember you. So you might want to give him a little opportunity now, because when he starts winning, that's going to be not in the back of his mind, but in the front. All right, so so define that. I mean, when you say he's going to win and win big here, is he going to beat Saban, win the West? He's going to win the SEC title. What is his ceiling yeah, think, here? Think, what do you think his ceiling is here? 
I think it's stealing at Arkansas as a national championship. I really believe that. Oh. I don't put anything. I'm wow. not, I'm, hey, I'm just telling you guys can laugh. <laughs> you guys can say whatever you want. People can say whatever they just like about Anderson or anybody else. I know what's in this man. He's so very special. And Arkansas fell into him, you know, very lucky to, to get him. But there's, there's nothing I put beyond this man because there's nothing he can't do. And how do I, how can I say that? And how do I know that? Look what the man's done in his life. Now, look what kind of football players are coming to Arkansas, guys. They never got players like this. Not in the last 20 years. It hadn't happened. I'm telling you, it's just the foundation. There's going to be some, hey, it's going to be another hard road to hoe. I think they'll probably win seven games. It's not going to be easy to do it this year. You're going to see dramatic jumps. But Arkansas is lucky to have him. You're going to miss him when he's gone. Uh, I wish I could buy stock in his future. And uh, I love him as a coach and a person. And anybody that doesn't understand what they're looking at, it's because they don't know what they're looking at. And that's why they're doing what they're doing in life. That's why they are what they are. When they look in the mirror, they see something else, and they want to go ahead and say, this guy should do this and do that. He's making millions of dollars, and he came from nothing. He came up. He came up a pole, and it was grief, guys. Nobody, nobody ascended him up. He fought his way up, and I respect him. Well, Michael, I, I mean, I, I legitimately hope you're right. I, I really yeah. do. And and you know, I'll tell you this too, Michael. We're gonna put it on our little sticky note. We're gonna yep. put it on our board. And if Chad Morris wins a national championship ever at Arkansas, we will open up the show the next day, starting with Michael and Stuttgart was right. We and everybody else in this world were wrong. Hope I will can, do that. Hope we can read the note through all the dust that may be on it. But yeah, yes. we will read it. You know? <laughs> there, may, there may be a little. There may be a little dust. Right. And guys, that is the ceiling. If the guy goes to the playoffs, you got to go ahead and give him credit for that. If the guy wins the SEC, well, if, sure. if he does something no one else has done yeah. against this kind of competition. You know, this in the Pac-12, you guys already know. You got you to give him credit for that. You certainly got to give me credit because I know that and everything else. Guys, that's how I make Hell a living. I mean, I, I go out, everything I buy, I'm going to buy, I'm going to steak for lunch today, and I'm going to buy it off my knowledge of gambling and sports. So anybody else, go ahead and hit the time clock, and I'll be thinking of you. I'm just, uh, I haven't went to bed yet. It's not that I'm up this early. Hell, if he can just win nine, it would be something no one's done here since oh, 2011. Hey, so, hey you know. don't, don't, don't set the bar that low. The guy's no, too I'm, good for that. I'm yeah. just saying the bar hey, is low, I'm, you know. No, it, it, it certainly is, and it's so bar, it's so low you can crawl underneath it. But I will say this: Eurocheck is the key. Look mm-hmm. at these coaches! My God, man, we're so lucky to have this athletic director and what he's done. And he took a little flack because people didn't understand. You look at who he worked for and what he has now. And Musselman's a monster too. I mean, a A plus coaches all the way across. It's going to be a different era in Arkansas. And I'm just telling you. But and I'm I'm supposed to be always a negative guy. I'm not a negative guy. I just tell you what's in front of me. I'm not going to sit here and say, "Well, Anderson, hell, he's a real coach, guys. Can't you see?" That, that's not the way it is. And, and see, I can see somebody's limitations in a basketball player that just got drafted. So it's not anything new to me, I'm telling you. It's not anything I hope or wish, although I do wish the, the best for, for Coach Joe Morris because he's that kind of person. But he doesn't need my hope or my good wishes to do it himself. Yeah. Well, appreciate the phone call as always, Michael. And, again, we'll, we'll make sure to give you the credit if yeah. it ends up being that way. Because, again, I hope I you're hope right. You're listening to the Bud Light Morning Rush Podcast. Brought to you by the all-new Natural Light Natterdays. A light lager brewed with a phenomenal strawberry lemonade flavor that's perfect for bringing the fun to every occasion. The new Natural Light Natterdays. Touchdown, Hogs! Holy Hog! And those best appetizers got me hungry. Of course, you guys yep. eating chili. I, I will eat the chili later in the show. Or not in the show, but in the day. I will not eat it. I can't eat it during the show. Why can't you eat it during the show? Because I am other focused than being on a professional. I'm, I'm other a than professional. being a professional. And, but we're not eating. Well, Ty is. I'm, I'm doing my best to avoid temptation during the segment. It's over there. It wasn't over there in the previous segment. Yeah, what was going on then? It's done, so that's (laughs) Uh, until you get another cup of it. Uh, But uh, no, it's yeah, you guys are doing it, and I just again, it's just not 
I just can't do it. I just, I don't, there's something about it so, that just doesn't make me want to eat chili this early in the morning. But my friend Stan, hours. who I've known for a long time, that's a great. That, that is a pot of what you would define as Texas chili that he has brought us here this morning. Is a great. Oh, it smells a great good. treat. Yeah, and it's not and no beans, a little bit of jalapeno in it. It's not it, even. It's not even chili season, but I'll I love chili oh, all the time. Though. Yeah. Because in there in there a particular season like when it's cold well, it's I think chilly November season, yeah right? I mean yeah. come no, I mean anytime that first hint of fall that first crisp winter morning yeah you want a pot of chili it, just the weather will make chili sound and feel better yeah, yeah. there's just something about it it's hard yeah. to describe but we yeah. uh, we've been doing our summer segment series here on the morning rush in the uh, first hour there we talked about the best restaurant yeah. appetizers got a little behind schedule Ed. yeah Lisa and Michael call in two great calls that we were choking about chickens. A, I'll let you explain that in the podcast. Yeah. Uh, we were about a segment behind. Yeah, there, but so. uh, we were having fun with it and you know, talking about that and getting to the best appetizer too. And actually, Bob in Fayetteville is on the phone lines. Let's get him in as he wanted to add into the best appetizer at a restaurant. What's going on, Bob? Hey guys, uh, there used to be a place here in Fayetteville that I went to all the time. It was called Mewmews. Yes. Uh, it, what, what's it, it called? The best Mewmews. Oh, okay. It was out here behind uh, uh, the ch- uh, chicken place now. Uh, but anyway, they had the best fried zucchini. That was the yep. best appetizer they had. I don't think I've ever had fried zucchini. I've had like fried okra. I've had a lot of the fried vegetables, yep. but I don't think I've had fried zucchini. Had, I had some last week. Yeah. Fried zucchini is yep. great. Mm, yeah, well, we're well, going to put that. That's we'll, all I got, guys. Yep. Hey, appreciate yep. it, Bob. We'll add it to the list, man. I think any any vegetable is always better when you fry it, right? <laughs> I don't know if it's better for you, but yes. Well, no, yeah, I mean, let's be honest. It's not going to be better for you, but nope. it's just going to be better in general. It's about the it's what it's all about. So let's continue on our Morning Rush Summer Segment Series with our next topic. All right, here we go, finally. All right. It's our favorite time of the year. Nonsense. I've not yet begun to defile myself. The Morning Rush Summer Segment of the Day. All right, get the little randomizer in. we got sports and entertainment left. So let's figure out which one it's going to be. Sports. Stick with the Razorback theme. They might have a lot of luck and success on these because a lot of people have wanted their opinions to be heard. Ooh, now this one could get dicey. This one could get a little crazy. Which Razorback sports controversy in history would you like to know the real story oh. behind? There's a ton of controversy. Did, did the swimming coach really beat up Bobby Petrino? We got to know that, one, right? <laughs> that's, that's easy. That's your number one off the top right there. Yeah. Okay. Because Bobby Petrino and his dismissal set this athletic department and this football program on a path and on a chain of events that has just been we're, we're trying to slow the train down so we can get it turned around just gotta get the train slowed down we're hoping this year we can finally get it stopped and then maybe head back the other direction so yeah i'd like to know what really happened there that, that's still one of the biggest you know people still there are people out there that still believe the strength coach for the swimming team or whatever do you believe that? No. Do you believe... There's some things about that whole thing that don't make sense, though. Yes, I will agree there. But do you believe that the story we got is the real story? No. What would you? What's the things that you're well, a little shaky I don't shaky believe... Off? Well, I mean, just some of the facts, and and he said the sun was in his eyes, and then that's been proven that the sun wasn't anywhere near lining right. up with that roadway, that that doesn't work. Um, you know, there's just some things about that whole thing that... 
didn't make sense. I don't think he was beat up. I think he was. I think he was run off the road though. That now that could be. I mean, I, I don't think we have gotten to See, the I, yeah. And nor will we ever get to the bottom. No, because listen, the guy had road rash. Like it's not because everyone's like, no, he just got beat up. No, he no. had road rash yeah, on yeah. his face. I'm so that happened. Yeah. So um, that would be the one I would want to know. I feel like that's probably the common answer, the majority answer. I. I'd be interested in that one, too. I'd be interested in all these because I find these, especially with Razorback Sports or anything, these stories so fascinating, and I can't get enough of them, honestly. But that's a good one. I'd like to know, honestly, what went down in the 2006 football season in the whole Houston Nut, Gus Malzahn, uh, Springdale 5 saga. The parent meetings. The parent meetings. Parent, parent coach conferences. The FOI reports. You remember that. Uh, the text messages that came out. Uh, the email that Danny Nuts, I think, therapist or physical <laughs> therapist had emailed to Mitch Mustaine. Teresa Pruitt. Teresa Pruitt, yep. that's right. And some of the horrible things she said in it and the forwarded emails around coaches. Just, I mean, Here's the thing. Bobby Petrino's controversy was huge. Don't get me wrong. But when it came to storylines, and I'm sure you remember it well, Tommy, it was like for a period of time, every day there was a new development or a new thing going on. You had banners flying around the stadium saying "fire nut." You had people wearing black shirts at the stadium. You had a you had a Heisman Trophy caliber player on your yeah. team, and all this controversy surrounding it. Well, the thing you know that's probably one of the most regrettable seasons or or, or periods, if you will, for a couple of years. Yeah, particularly 06 in Razorback history, because if everyone in that involved in that. Malzahn, Nutt, Reg, Reggie Herring, all, all those mm-hmm. people could have gotten along and been on the same page. What could they have accomplished? Think about what they accomplished with all the interfighting. Seriously. They went 10-4 and, and four that year. Right. And a- after getting beat badly in game one and then... 50-14, to 14, I believe, the USC, yeah. Reeled off what ten in a row, in and, row. Then, and then four losses. Lost to LSU, Florida, and Wisconsin. Yeah, old Brett Bielma. And just think what could have been accomplished that year if mm-hmm. Gus and Houston and everybody, Marcus and all those people, had just been pulling the rope in the same direction with the athletes. Yeah, they had at their at their disposal. Yeah, and uh, there's no. A national championship may have been within reach. Yeah. And for Houston not to really want the credit or however you want to interpret that situation, dude, you'd have a national title. I mean, it, it, it would just, it would have set, it would have set everybody's career off in a different direction. Yep. I mean, they couldn't see the, I don't know, they just, they just couldn't get out of their own way. Right. Best way I know to describe it. And, and to me too, it was, what was also disappointing about it is that, all that happened, but then trying to come out and say, no, everything's fine. There was no problem. Yep. Gus Malzahn just wanted to be the co-offensive coordinator at Tulsa. It's fine. Because nobody, well, that was, Frank Broyles always wanted to downplay interfighting, controversy, mm-hmm. people not getting along. And that was a day and time where you you didn't publicly embrace, you know, that, yeah, we got some turmoil here. Yeah. We got parents coming up here for meetings with the AD. We got all this. It's just a day and time you didn't. Yeah. And you acknowledge that type of stuff. And I don't know that you still acknowledge it fully like you do, but with social media and the way we converse about things now, it's just more commonplace to know what's going on. And let's be honest too, Tommy, that with that whole situation and the players coming in and like you said, the parent meetings and whatnot, I mean, it all started just because Nut was forced to hire Gus Malzahn. 
I mean, he, but he had to do it to save had, his job yeah, to get to Springdale back, 5. He had back-to-back losing seasons, and it, it, no coach had survived back-to-back losing seasons but, up to that point in Arkansas history. So it's like, you got to get these kids, because it looked like you had Damian Williams, I believe, was committed to Florida at the time. Mitch Mustaine was like really not that interested in Arkansas, had other schools, and that's when it kind of came into play. It's like, right. dude, you have the greatest, arguably the greatest high school, or at least the most accoladed high school player coming out of yeah. your state, and he's in your backyard. You have to to get in. I think, was it Ben Cleveland was the only one you had committed? I don't even think at that time you did I yet. Can't maybe Bar- Andrew Norman, I think maybe. 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 Uh, Bartley Webb ended up going to Notre, Notre Dame. Dame. Yeah. So, But you had that. But, but I'm just saying, knowing what we know now, and hindsight's always you know, crystal clear 2020. If Malzahn had been respected like any other coach on the staff and allowed to do his job, truly mm-hmm. do his job, without Nutt and Marcuson in his way, what could they have accomplished that year? They nearly won the SEC championship with all of that mess going on. They were good enough to win a national championship. I don't disagree. They were good enough. I don't think they'd have beat USC to begin the year, no. regardless. No. Yeah, Darren McFadden with a bad toe. You couldn't figure out the quarterback situation. I mean, yeah, you were just doomed from the start. You there. weren't going to win that one. But I think maybe with everything lined up, you beat LSU at the end of the year. Maybe you beat Florida. You're not playing Wisconsin. Who? I mean, I'm just saying. You would have played Ohio State in the championship game. Perhaps. I don't know that, you know, I'm just saying 10 and 4 could have easily been 12 and 2. Yeah. Easily. And the greatest season of Houston Nuts' career and and probably set his career and Gus's on a whole different path much sooner. Gus wouldn't have been the co offense coordinator at Tulsa. No. He would have been, you know. The offensive on his way to somewhere like he ended up at Auburn much sooner. Yeah, he would have been the head coach of a Power Five team, probably. This would have been his next step. I don't know which school if it would have been like a Vanderbilt or something, but it would have been. It would have been called who was it? Todd Graham was the head coach at Tulsa at that time. He would have been asking for a job there, which is how we've heard after the fact when Mm -hmm. Bo was doing a show. He had Todd Graham on one day after speaking, and he said, "Yeah, Gus was calling us one. No, they we'd fill all the assistant coaches' spots." Incredible. Well, you know, you would have been, I mean, it would have been a whole different set of circumstances had they just all yep. rode the along. boat in the same direction. Yep. And, and the whole bummer thing of it is not only did you have those players and those coaches, but you had Darren McFadden on that team and Peyton Hills and Felix Jones. You just had everything going for you. So to me, it's when it comes to because the original question, folks, in case you're just joining us, which Razorback sports controversy would you like to know the real story behind? The real and inside story. Uh, Tommy says the Petrino story, which I think most people will probably agree with that. I say the Houston Nut, Gus Malzahn saga. I'd like to know the real story behind that. There's a lot of things, too. You're listening to the Bud Light Morning Rush Podcast, brought to you by the all-new Natural Light Natterdays, the new beer of the summer, with a refreshing strawberry lemonade twist. Natterdays, fun for every occasion. They won't catch him. Alex Collins is going to take it all the way to the house. We've done our food topic for the summer segment series of what's the best restaurant appetizer. That one was pretty common among, I think you had, or I had chips and salsa. Yep. Tommy, you had. Fried mushroom. Fried, or I thought you went fried pickles. You went no, fried mushrooms. Fried okay. mushrooms. And then Ty went with cheese fries. Can't really go wrong with any of those. And like you mentioned in, during the break, is there a bad appetizer? I don't know of any. Even, I, I know a place that has fried cauliflower. I wouldn't eat cauliflower on a bet. But you fry it, you put breading and fry pretty good actually. dip it in ranch it's, yeah. Yeah, it's all good it's all good well and, and like there's some things that are appetizers that i don't consider app like nachos to me is not an appetizer nachos is a meal 
right? I I would agree with that. Okay. So, but I've been known to, for some reason, it's always on the appetizer yeah. side. I couldn't tell you. We'll we'll, we'll share this. Yeah. yeah, we'll share it. Yeah, you don't share nachos. You eat nachos <laughs> yourself. So, but, but obviously that's been our food topic. Right. We've had fun with this this sports topic, which has gotten a lot of responses. The, the sports topic, I think we stay with because yeah. I think it's it's gotten a lot of feedback, obviously on social media and calls. Yeah. So, so let's just keep it going then, because we said the pretty obvious ones the bobby petrino motorcycle accident which there's a lot of moving parts to that one and i think it's all encompassing not only of how the actual motorcycle wreck went down but you know was the story that we got the actual story was was it just him was he beat up by the swimming coach yeah was he beat up by the swimming coach (laughs) uh you know i'm saying no all, all that happened i mean what was the conversation like between him and jeff long especially after jeff long found out that he had lied about it Oh, that, wouldn't you like, no. you know, Jeff Long was like on one of these, uh, they're doing one now. Lisa called in in the first hour. I was talking about these, this one Razorback tour or whatever they're doing. This, yeah, the road tour. The road tour. And like the chancellor and the AD and all these high brass people are on this bus, this this people mover going mm-hmm. around the state or whatever. I still think they fly in town to town on the private jet and they, they get picked up by the bus, but just my theory. Yeah. Well, anyway, so Jeff Long's on like this charter bus. Yep. It's like you know coach luxury coach but doing this road deal and he gets this call from petrino saying hey uh we need to talk mm-hmm. i hadn't quite been honest with you yep can you imagine i mean and he can't like go off start screaming and yelling and having a, a real um open conversation you got all these people around you you mm-hmm. know yeah can you imagine the wheels and how they were turning in jeff long's mind at that moment I mean, I can't the imagine. The anger, the fear, the anxiety, that pit in your gut, that mm-hmm. hole in your stomach, all of that, that the, the emotions he would have been feeling. Yeah. What am I going to do? Yeah, I was actually, uh, when I was up at the U of A, I was friends with uh, the vice provost of the University of oh, Arkansas. Hoy Poloy. I know. And uh, he was on that bus. And I remember him telling me the story of just once the phone call was made, they had to have like a little secret, like a basically go to the back of the bus and I'll have a sit down meeting among uh, the people that were in power and going to be making that decision. But but the whole ordeal over that and just how strange it was. And you know, we make fun of it and we make the jokes of like, oh, that's just the most Arkansas thing ever. But could that ha- that could not happen to any other program besides Arkansas. A story like that where you have a coach that is bringing success that has not has not been had at Arkansas in a long time. I don't and, know. Didn't didn't Notre Dame hire a coach who had falsified his resume? Didn't that happen? Was that the head coach though? Yeah, uh, it's, I mean, it sounds this? right. Wasn't that Notre, George O'Leary? Wasn't that? Wasn't that? Maybe, yeah, I mean, I mean, it sounds that, right. That sounds like something that would happen here. Yeah, so O'Leary. What is that? Yeah. No, 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 but I you're, think you're right on that. Yeah. But you're talking about something that happened. I mean, that off the field. I though. understand, but th- that kind of stuff. Right. I know. There. I mean, there's weird stuff all the time. I mean, look what happened right. to Mike Price happened, in Alabama. It happened. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's another good example. Yeah. Weird stuff and controversy doesn't only exist in our state. Yeah, I know I mean, we like to think it does, but you had a coach falsify a resume and they i think he ended up at florida atlantic or somewhere yeah. in the end but yeah but yeah but he's going to coach it i think notre dame yeah. but if you talk about just some of the theories or some of the things that we've brought up the controversial events not only is the bobby petrino thing just crazy within itself still gets remembered today but even the the mouths on and nothing is is a very controversial thing that people will remember and it's just those are the types of long, drawn-out stories that I just... And again, maybe it does happen. We just don't know about it as much. or don't cover it as much. But it just seems like they're so wacky and 
completely out of nowhere. Because the Bobby Petrino thing was not only just what happened, but the timing of when it happened. You were just coming off of arguably your best football season in decades. Decades. But you, 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 no, your best two seasons. You right, know? But, right, but immediately off an 11-win season, right. which you okay. had not had in forever. But, it I, I, like. but to put it in context, 21 wins Correct. in two years. Right. And you had not only that success, you had virtually or at least the majority of the team returning right. the next season where you were going to be a top 10 preseason pick. After you had just ended the regular season being in the top three in the country. That's right. Number five is how you finish the actual season in the BCS final rankings. After the, all the bowl games, after combo, you finished fifth in the country. You had a senior quarterback, Tyler Wilson, coming back. You had Kobe Hamilton back. You had Chris Craig. You had Nile Davis and Dennis Johnson were both going to be healthy. I mean, it it's was just, all set up. Yeah. And then... Something as stupid as that to happen well, then is just I've never unbelievable. Under, I've never understood. Again, th there were so many different ways for all these parties to survive it. And pride and ego got in the way. Long wanted to get Petrino. Petrino wanted to prove he had all the mm -hmm. power and he was a tough guy. Getting back to practice so quickly and all these... There was just so many ways for all these people to survive the situation and come out okay. Yeah. And they didn't do it. Yeah. And from from that whole mess, though, the only people, truly, the only people that got screwed in that whole mess of Bobby Petrino were the Razorback fans. Those were the only people that got screwed. And, and, and were Razorback fans and some of the players, too. But yeah. as far as the ones that had the long-lasting effect, it hurt Tyler's draft stock. I mean, that's a right. that's a hill that many would go to die on is the fact that I, Tyler got absolutely you, hosed in that situation. I don't know how you can't agree with that. Yeah. You know? But but the point is is that Petrino, of the parties involved, Petrino ended out okay. I mean, I know that he had it always on his mark, but it's not like he had the greatest reputation as it was. He ended up okay. Jeff Long ended up okay. Mm -hmm. You know, But the football program at Arkansas, some of the players that were involved at Arkansas, and the fan base. Oh, the long-term effects remained here. You're, yeah, yeah, you're still feeling it now. Yeah. And it's gone. And it's just, that's the sad thing about it is because anytime Razorback fans, they felt like they had finally made it. They, finally, they felt mm -hmm. that they had finally broken through that ceiling that everyone talked about, that Arkansas yeah. can never be better than a seven-win program, that they'll never be better than that. They broke through that, and they felt like they were there to stay. You had a great contract that was signed where Bobby Petrino was not going anywhere because you felt like at the time yep. he was his name was always mentioned for bigger jobs. Yep. That went away. Yep. You knew you had that. And, so, and and not only with that, but you also had the players coming in, the new facility going up with the practice yep. facility. Yep. You, it, the money was as high as it ever. I mean, everything was beautiful on the hill. And I remember just as a fan being I was so arrogant. That was like Oklahoma State and Stanford, these teams that think that they could compete with us. Andrew Luck over at Stanford, Mike Gundy and Oklahoma State, please yeah. give me a break. The only yeah. team that is better than Arkansas is Alabama yeah. and LSU, and they're in the national championship game. If you're just uh, hopping in, we're talking about biggest Razorback controversies that you'd like to know the real and inside story on, the, the real truth on. Yeah, we were zeroing in on Petrino here for a minute. We've talked about the 06 season. Clay Henry brings in a good point to me here. Hey, the assistant coaches with that Petrino staff mostly never got another great job. Mostly those guys were Bobby Petrino disciples, if you will. I'd say a lot of them went and worked for Petrino again. <laughs> right, because they had no other option. Yeah. 
Does anyone know where Willie Robinson is? Anybody? Anyone? I'd say he quit even before <laughs> that, that happened. And that, right? that football leather golf bag of his. You Anybody? Know, you know what? He's actually. <laughs> you want to you know where he is? I bet <laughs> you two can never guess. <laughs> Bo found this out a couple months ago. He is selling pot out in Cali with his son. He has a, a, a marijuana dispensary? Yep. Uh, so this is a legal deal? Yeah, legal. Okay. All right, I'm just hmm. checking. All right, well. Everybody's got to get into business yeah, somehow, uh, but but, well, that, but Clay makes a great point. I hadn't even thought about it. Th- those assistant coaches mm-hmm. never elevate and moved on. You can say one thing about Bielema: the coaches that left here for the most part went on to bigger and better things, right? Yeah, Chris Ash, Ohio State, Randy on be, Shannon, on to be a head coach, Randy Shannon, and that was really the undoing of Bielema. It was all the great assistants he had, and everybody zeroes in on Sam Pittman. But it was you know Cheney and Pittman mm-hmm. end up t- at Georgia after a a stop somewhere else, you know, while Pittman was still here for a year. Um, Mainly all the top shelf assistants left for better opportunities. Well, I think because it was, it was, and that was the deal with, at, uh, you know, with Petrino's staff, it, it, it always seemed Petrino was doing everything. Yeah. Everybody else was just a, you know, a yes man. Yeah. Well, and that's what I was about to say is that that's why the assistants, I feel like didn't go on to bigger, better things because it was all about Petrino and the way Petrino did things. And but that's what made him successful at the same time as what was ultimately yeah. his downfall. So I feel like with the assistants, but that's more so of that. To your point, everybody else or, or Jeff Long and Bobby Petrino, after a recovery period, they ended up okay. Yeah, football program here, the fans here, a lot of other people, and, and we don't think about you know people that were in the video department, yeah, or people that were in the equipment room, or people that. Served in many other. You think it's kind of like a presidential administration in a lot of ways. When the guy at the top, when the football coach changes, there's a hundred other jobs that change too because the new coach is bringing in his own people. And you know, you're talking about families. You're talking about four to three to five hundred people with families and people whose mm-hmm. jobs change and all that are affected. Yep. When these things happen, there's yep. a lot of other support roles that. That uh, that people get affected by when the head coach changes. Yep. Those a lot of those people didn't recover because Petrino didn't have a job for them to go on to the next gig. Mm-hmm. So they were left without work, and, and and their families had to uproot and move at a horrible time. And all of, you know, just on on and on and on. Well, and honestly, and they don't. And those people don't have guarantees. Well, and honestly, what also led at least to a lot of the people's disdain for Jeff Long was the fact that not only did Jeff Long come out on okay out of that thing but in a lot of ways oh, people they, felt like he was propped up he was he got to, on the football committee for the was college chairman fo- of that yeah for the chairman yeah. he, and he was you know all about he's the funniest guy on twitter and then the shirts came out of integrity goes a long way people were like okay was this really about petrino in arkansas was or was this about you was this about you and your own selfish reasons well, of getting there i, I feel like have a lot of time here but i think there was a power struggle within the athletic department and who was really in charge there? The AD, Jeff Long, or the head football coach and Bobby Petrino? Does Frank Burles fire Petrino, though, <laughs> if he was AD? Frank Burles played by a different set of rules, and he'd earned that that right. But did he? would he have fired Bobby Petrino? I think if Frank Broyles, and this is just my opinion, if Frank Broyles had still been a- AD, a lot of the facts and a lot of things that became public may not have been as public. Mm-hmm. A lot um, of things might hey. have gotten handled differently just because of the influence someone like Frank Boyles had when he was at his best. 
You're listening to the Bud Light Morning Rush Podcast. Brought to you by the all-new Natural Light Natterdays. The new beer of the summer. Go to the phone lines and welcome in Barrett Salee of CBSSports.com. Barrett, appreciate you joining us, man. How's the summertime treating you right now, my man? It's been good. It's been really good. Enjoying some some off-season. Uh, enjoying some Atlanta Braves here uh, in Atlanta. Getting ready for SEC Media Days. Uh, so, you know, it's been uh, it's been pretty chill. I, you know, everyone, you know, looks forward to the college football season, and I do as well. But it's also nice to have uh, have a summer, get out with the kids, play some uh, golf, and uh, do all the fun things before uh, it becomes no sleep zone and, and college football season. <laughs> yeah, we're, yeah, we're 64 days away here uh, in the natural state. So, I mean, we can jump right into the Razorbacks. Chad Morris obviously is uh, – is is double timing to get this thing turned around after a two win season a year ago. What's the outside perspective on on Arkansas's program that's going to have Ben Hicks? It appears uh, be at the helm as the quarterback this year. John Chavis in year two um, being the coordinator for this defense. What what is the ceiling this next year for for the Razorback football program in your estimate? I think the ceiling, if you're talking about winning, you're out of conference games and then some toss ups would be. Probably bowl eligibility. I mean, you can concoct a way uh, for, for Arkansas to get bowl eligible. I don't necessarily think that'll happen, but, um, you know, if breaks fall their way, you know, and they, and they do, you know, beat some of the teams on the lower tier of, of the SEC. Mississippi State, I think, will be there. Uh, Ole Miss will be there. Uh, you know, Missouri, I'm not the highest on uh, because I don't necessarily trust Kelly Bryant in that specific offense. Uh, and then you've got your out-of-conference games, and, and those are – um, yeah, I wouldn't say tricky. I mean, Western Kentucky is kind of tricky, and, and Colorado State, obviously, Arkansas fans know all about them. Um, you know, so the ceiling, I would say, is bowl eligibility. I, but I, you know, I, I don't think that's going to happen. I, you know, you guys have had me on really for you know ever since Chad Morris got hired. I think John Chavis is probably the most under uh, is probably the most overrated uh, coordinator uh, in the game. I don't think he uh, understands how to coordinate defense uh, when he's got an offense that plays with tempo. Um, you know, and Arkansas saw some of that last year. So, you know, I, I think it's going to be a wild up and down season. I think if you're Arkansas, all you want to see is fun. All you want to see is, is a Chad Morris offense, um, you know, because you didn't have that last year. Um, you do have the quarterbacks. You mentioned Ben Hicks. I think, you know, Starkle obviously has, has um, experience as well. And those two guys fit what Chad Morris wants to do as opposed to last year when Story and Kelly just flat out didn't. So if you're Arkansas, you know, hope for improvement. Uh, and hope for an offense that looks like a Chad Morris offense because, you know, I've we've said this before, I've told you guys on this show, going from what Brett had to what Chad had, there's no blueprint for, and the personnel is completely different. So uh, a lot like what Jeff Collins is going to go through uh, at Georgia Tech this year, it's going to have to be a slow build. Well, the thing about Chad Morris, too, Barrett, is that even people here in the state of Arkansas have a, a lot of doubt when you go 2-10. and 10, There's always going to be some doubt when it comes to the coach and the job that he is able to do. But as far as the future for Arkansas under Chad Morris himself, do you still feel like there's some belief there that he can get the job done? Do you need to see something this year or in the next two seasons for you to start believing that? I mean, what do you feel about the future of Arkansas football under Chad Morris at this point? You know, be at least relevant, be in the mix in the SEC West once every three years. You know, that's, that's what Houston Nutt did. Um, that's what Bobby Petrino did. And really, I think that's what Arkansas at its best is going to be nowadays based on, you know, what Alabama does, what Auburn does, what LSU, Texas A&M, um, you know, et cetera. So 
Um, by year four, be in that position where, you know, you're relevant, you're, you're springing some upsets, you're playing some of the big boys tough, um, you know, and if, if breaks go your way, um, you know, you might be in the SEC West conversation and maybe even win it every once in a while. So, um, you know, I, I think Chad is going to do that, uh, and it's just going to take a little while. And, um, you know, I think I said this back in 2012 when Texas A&M got the SEC. Uh, that's the worst thing that could possibly happen to Arkansas. Because, you know, Texas A&M, Texas A&M, they're going to they're gonna draw those kids. And, and those kids are going to grow up knowing that they're in the SEC rather than the Big 12. And that's a, that's a huge, huge problem for Arkansas. And that's why I think Chad Morris is the right guy to do it because he can sort of navigate through that based on his experience as a head coach. Right, let's get some of your thoughts on the rest of the landscape in the West. All right, Alabama is going to be really good and, and competitive again for national titles. So let's move on to some schools maybe a little more in question. <laughs> next. Next. You know, LSU is probably in that next category. How about A&M? You mentioned them a moment ago. I think that's interesting. And what happens at Auburn this year? Because I think Gus Malzahn, once again, Cue, cue the repeat here, finds himself at a crossroads where it seems like, hey, you better win at, at least eight or nine or are your, your butts on the line again. Well, first with Texas A&M, I think they're far more of a threat to Alabama than LSU is. Um, you know, I think this is the same LSU team you see every year. They're good enough to get you nine or ten wins maybe, um, and that's if things go their way, but they're not built in a way to play games and win games outside of their comfort zone. They want to win with defense, but – really can't get into shootouts with good teams and win on a consistent basis. So because of that, I think Texas A&M uh, is in a better spot. Uh, I, I think Kellen Mond is one of the most underrated quarterbacks in the country. I think when Jimbo Fisher has him for the entire offseason, again, that he's going to be way more consistent this year. Uh, and, and he showed at times how good he could be last year. They've got one of the best group of receivers in the SEC, not the best, but, you know, because Alabama is Alabama, but uh, one of the best group of receivers in the SEC and I think defensively, um, you know, Magic Weekend is really, really good up front. I don't think people give him enough credit. And they were awesome against the run last year. They did lose some pieces. But if there's anybody in uh, the SEC outside of Dave Aranda that you sort of trust as a defensive coordinator, it's either Kevin Steele at Auburn or Mike Elko at Texas A&M. So I think A&M is going to be, you know, really, really tough. The second best team in the SEC West. Uh, the record might not show that because of how tough it is, but that's just how the breaks are. And then for Auburn and Gus Malzahn, yeah, I mean, it's going to be tough. Uh, you know, the, the defense will keep them in every game. I mean, you go back and look at last year, um, you know, they, they had a chance to win basically every game until November, mid-November. They were in it. Um, they just could not find any off offense to pair with that defense. And, you know, at, at the end of games, Mississippi State's a perfect example. And then, you know, Georgia and Alabama – you know, their defense just flat out gave out, and, and you can't blame them for that. I mean, they, they did, you know, so much to keep them in game. So you, you go to this year, yeah, all five, starting, returning, uh, all five starters on the offensive line are back, but they played one good game last year. It was the last game against Purdue, but it was only one good game. And then now you have either Gatewood or Bo Nix, the quarterback. So, you know, Auburn, I, I think Gus Malzahn at eight and four, it probably depends on the eight and depends on the four and how they look. Um, and, and beyond that, if it's seven and five, yeah, he's probably gone. Uh, and the schedule, you know, the, the worst thing that could happen for them is that they get the best team in the Pac-12 right out of the gate. They did last year and they won, obviously, but I think Oregon's better than, than Washington was last year. And they draw Florida out of the East as the rotator. Florida, um, you know, I, I think it's going to be really solid. Now, I do think that game's winnable because Florida's OL is brand new and, and Auburn's defensive front is just filthy. So I just, I, I think they're, they're going to have to catch some offensive breaks 
and, and they didn't get those last year. And it's going to be harder for them to get them this year based on the personnel they have coming back. So, um, you know, I think they'll be close to that eight and four, nine and three, seven and five category. And a lot of it might look, uh, might, a lot of it might depend for Gus, you know, kind of how they look and, and what the feel of the team is at the end of the season. Now, Barrett, with just a few weeks until SEC media days going on, it seems like every time we go into that point of time in the season, there's always some big storyline heading into it for a particular team, a player, a coach, or whoever. And this year, I, I mean, I don't know, maybe something will really pop up as we get closer to it, but just for you, what would you say as of right now is going to be the biggest storyline or biggest headline heading into SEC media days out of the SEC? I mean, I think it's quarterback. And, um, you know, what happens with Kelly Bryant at Missouri? What, what is Jake Bentley going to be? Is, is Felipe Franks really the difference maker we saw the last couple of games last year? What's Auburn quarterback situation going to be like? Can Joe Burrow take the next step? You know, uh, there are a lot of, of really good storylines in the SEC that I'm interested in and that, that I hope everybody else in the SEC media, you know, are interested in as well. Unfortunately, and you guys know this better than, than, than a lot of others, is when you know you get to media days, and John, you and I have complained about this at, <laughs> at, at Gabriel during karaoke night consistently, yeah. um, it, it's, you get a lot of the same crap you had at spring meetings, so you're going to see a lot of transfer portal stuff and, and all this other stuff that, that we've already kind of gone over. And so um, I hope that doesn't happen. That's why you know at, at SEC Media Days you never go in the big room because you get those kind of questions. Yep. And and unfortunately, I do think that that's going to be the case uh, this year because honestly, that's how it is every year at this point. So I treat Media Days like a convention. Uh, you know, a good a, a good time to catch up with folks and you know try to get some stuff out of these coaches. Never really happens, but uh, you know, hey, you got to put forth the effort, right? That's right. That's right. And real quick, Barrett, before we get out of here with you, we've been having some fun with this because it is summertime and we do summertime topics. If you had to have a movie quarterback leading your favorite football team, which quarterback would you have on the field for your favorite football team? A movie quarterback. So, so it's funny you mentioned this because last night on Hulu, I discovered one of the first, one of the new movies they put on Hulu was The Good Point Break. Oh. So I'm going with Johnny Utah, former Ohio State quarterback, <laughs> who beat SC in the Rose Bowl back in the day, but blew out his knee, went to law school instead, and took down the ex president, led by Patrick Swayze. So uh, I'm, I'm definitely with, with, uh, Johnny Utah. Now he did re, uh, reinvent himself as Shane Falco, but yeah. mm-hmm. you know what? Shane Falco was a replacement player. He could not play in the NFL. I'm a firm believer that Johnny Utah, had he not <laughs> blown out his knee in that Rose Bowl against USC, would have been a Hall of Fame quarterback. And uh, you know, it just didn't work out for him. I like how you intertwined two movies there and brought yeah. point, point and break a surfing slash bank robbery movie into the into the conversation. That, that was well done. Yeah. Much it's a classic, man. It's yeah, classic. I love, that's right. Yeah, that was the first time we heard of uh, Johnny Utah in our conversation, so I'm glad you could add it in. Barrett Salee of CBSSports.com. Always appreciate it, Barrett. Enjoy your summer, man. Looking forward to catching up with you in Hoover, my man. All right, thank you. I do, too. Your number one source of local news and information you need. Like the Bud Light Morning Rush podcast? Check out the Halftime Pod at HitThatLine.com.